Hey listeners, this is Wesley, and thanks for tuning in to the Amplify Your Process Safety Podcast. Today's episode, Rob and I talk about RMP regulatory changes, those that went in effect recently and those that go in effect by March 15th, 2021. If you ever wonder what that entails, this is the episode for you. As always, Rob and I thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join your hosts, Wesley Carter and Rob Bartlett, in their mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Hey, Rob. Morning, Wes. How are you? I'm okay. Good. What are we talking about today? Uh, I thought we might talk about the risk management plan, specifically some upcoming or already existing changes? Oh, you're talking about the 2017 amendments to the risk management program that uh, that EPA came out with? Sounds about right. Okay. Uh, so the upshot is that the uh, Obama administration in 2017, on its way out the door, uh, just before the Trump administration, put out some amendments to the risk management plan. Wait, when did when did Trump get in office? Well, he was elected in 2016 and <laughs> came into office in 2017. Okay, so on January 13th, I believe it was. Okay, uh, these uh, these amendments were put forth by EPA. So Trump came in, President Trump came in, and the Trump administration and the the new EPA uh, delayed implementation of those new requirements, and up until last year. Uh, nothing needed to be done until because of, de- of the delay because of the delay and they delayed it a few times and I don't want to hear go go into the the whole history of it but 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 the what we need to really be concerned about here is that a court finally said all right that's enough this went through rulemaking this is a rule if you want to not implement it you have to go through rulemaking again so in okay. other words uh, so the 2017 amendments to the RMP. Uh, that the Obama administration put forth came into effect. Uh, and um, that's what you'd like to talk about. So there's no more, there were no more delays. So no more delays. Uh, these are, these are now requirements. There's a number of requirements. So probably the, the listener probably would like us to go through what those requirements are. A breakdown. A breakdown. So why don't we do that? So okay. let's, let's start, um, we'll start off with the things that we need to do now. So there's, there's, a bunch of things that need to be done basically immediately uh, and in order to comply with RMP. And then there are things that uh, have a kind of a future due date in 2021 that we'll get to get to later. So the first one that I'll bring up is related to emergency coordination. Emergency coordination. So I'll be a little bit kind of prescriptive here to kind of give the give a uh, description of what of what has to be done. But essentially, the facility owner or operator must coordinate response needs at least annually with local emergency planning and response organizations and document these coordination activities. Oh, so I now to reach out to my LEPC, my local emergency planning commission, mm-hmm. and I have to schedule or coordinate at least every year a drill something and I got to document it. Right. 
doesn't have to be a drill. They don't get into specifics, but there needs to be some sort of coordination of response. Uh, and depending on what type of facility you have, you know, that coordination may be actually doing drills. Yeah. Um, that coordination may be, um, you know, the local, uh, the fire department coming on site and, uh, you know, Cause dis- right now, discussing what would happen in the event of some sort of, a, of an emergency. Because previously it, it was kind of loose. Yes. It was coordinated with local LEPC. Right. That was it. So what they basically said is now you got to actually you've got to you've got to do that and you've got to document yeah. it at least every year at least every they year they get a frequency yep. and a document requirement right okay okay so that's one thing um, next one that I'll bring up here is um, facility owner must provide to the um, local emergency planning and response organization so that, that going back to what you said before LEPC it may be the the LEPC um, it may be your local emergency management authority it may be the local fire department. So there's, they're not prescriptive. They, they're saying whoever is, whoever would be responding, those are the people that you want to be reaching out to. So this is, they're getting very specific now. Mm-hmm. It, instead of having that loose statement, coordinate with LEPC. Now it's annually documented. And then what we're going into now. Which is a few things that you have to, that you have to include <clears throat> that you need to provide to them, which is the mercy response plan. If you have one, um, which you should have one, um, the um, any updated emergency contact information. So if your plant manager is part of your emergency contact list and you have a new plant manager, guess what? You need to tell those local emergency planning people um, that new information and any other information that the local emergency planning and response organizations identify as relevant to local emergency response planning. So if they come to you and say, hey, we need X, Y, and Z, to help us plan for emergencies at your facility, you need you are now required to give them that information. Okay, and that's right? now. So that's now. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is emergency response program provisions. Um, kind of similar to the coordination, but this gets gets a little bit different. So what you have to do first one that's listed is inform federal and state emergency response agencies about accidental releases. Okay. Second one is review and update the sources. I try to get really excited about that. Yes, is is there's not a lot there. Yeah. Um, next one is you've got to um, review and update um, the emergency response plan for the source, meaning your covered process. Base updates on changes at the stationary source or new information obtained from coordination activities, emergency response exercises, incident investigations, or other available information. So as you do your uh, a, a tabletop drill, or um, if you have an incident related to uh, have that has yeah. a release, you've got to go back and you've got to update your emergency response plan based on that information. It's like a, so it's it's almost like an iteration in the overall regulation. Yeah, I mean, basically, this has been around for a while. You should never consider your emergency response plan to be complete because mm-hmm. things always happen. We can't, as when we do our emergency response plans, we can't foresee everything that could happen. Um, as new information comes to light, we want to go back to you, emergency so response plan. Most so plan- organizations are learning, should be, from these things. Exactly. Now, are you making sure the people that help you in these activities, are you also informing them of your lessons learned? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and ensure that employees are informed of the changes to the emergency response plan. So they actually are now requiring that you train your people on the emergency response plan and the changes that you made to it. Okay. All right. So 
that's on the emergency response side of things. Um, now, the other um, piece of RMP, as as we know, is related to the prevention program provisions. Um, and a lot of these are similar to the requirements that OSHA has in PSM, the process safety management regulations. So in the past, you know, basically when people have asked me, well, well what's RMP? What's a risk management program or the risk management plan? Basically, my, my description has been, well, it's basically OSHA's PSM program with a few other things you have to do. Yep. A plan, outside modeling, stuff like that. It's outside. Right, exactly. You can't really say that now because EPA has come in and added dimensions to their or requirements to their prevention program. Mm-hmm. So if you're following the PSM program, uh, thinking that you are doing everything you need to for the prevention program for RMP, you are now incorrect. So what are some of the changes? Well, they they made kind of a, a, um, a change that doesn't really affect any of us. They basically said, uh, we now need to maintain safety data sheets instead of material safety data sheets. And uh, probably everybody listening to this podcast probably understands that that's just a slight change that came from the uh, global it was a, it harmonization. Was a, it was a dinosaur. It was a dinosaur. It was dinosaur. archaic. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so now we just do SDSs. And I still use, in fact, I think on the podcast, I've actually used MSDS because I can't get out of that. I know. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of emails about that. I'm sure you did. Hundreds. So the next one, the hazard review, um, you need to make sure that you include the findings from incident investigations in your hazard review. So if you're PHA, par for the course, um, you've got to make sure that the findings from the incident, I think most companies probably do that anyway, but they're very specific about it now. It's specific though in the hazard review. We're not talking about, um, I slipped in the parking lot, broke my leg. Maybe. I don't think so. We're not? No. Oh, no. We're talking about, um, Incidents that are related to releases of covered chemicals in this case. Um, So if you have uh, ammonia, we're not talking about slips, trips, and falls. We're not talking about the leak of oil that we had from from our hydraulic unit. Mm -hmm. We're talking about releases of ammonia that, you know, that that happened over the last five years or whatever, whatever your review period is. The next one is training. Employee training requirements also apply to supervisors responsible for directing pro- uh, process operations and supervisors with process operational responsibilities. Training the supervisors. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not quite sure where. Like, Obviously, they came up across some people that didn't think they had to train supervisors. But um, really what this gets to is that when you do your employee training, um, the supervisors need to have an overview training of the process. They need to understand what's going on in their process. You can't have supervisors that don't understand a cover process. Yeah. Um, common sense. EPA made it into a regulation. Uh, compliance audits. The owner operator must evaluate compliance with provisions of the RMP rule for each cover process at least every three years. Hmm. I think that was just a. Hmm. I think that was just trying to make it more clear. That, that does not change the way I've been executing. No, I and think that doesn't change the way. Again, I think that they were just trying to um, um, make, it, make it make it uh, make it make the rule more clear. Incident investigations. This is where they really did. Um, they added a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so they added the phrase, for example. I'm sorry, not for example. That is a near miss. So I.e. a near miss. So when they're talking about what is a um, uh, what is an incident? What's it? What's an RMP incident in mm-hmm. this case? 
Um, the basic definition is an incident that could reasonably have resulted in a catastrophic release. Yeah, they say actually did or where, could. Or could. That's how they define and, it. And that's and that's so they're saying, for example, a near miss or or that is a near miss, um, which is you know industry lingo for something that could have been bad but wasn't. So you know it, it's interesting that they they found it necessary to put this in the regulation because I I mean I don't know about you but I thought it was pretty straightforward already. A near miss. I thought that could reasonably have resulted in a catastrophic release. It was a near miss. I agree. I agree. And, and I think that, uh, that as, as with the above, as with the above one, um, that we're talking about, um, related to the compliance audit, I think that, uh, this is just for clarity so that people understand, Hey, if something is a near miss, I mean, near miss is something that is, is more of a, um, a industry standard term, I guess. Um, and I think that they, um, are just trying for clarity there. So again, like you said before, this doesn't really change the way that we do anything. Investigation is required when an incident resulting in a catastrophic release also re- also results in the affected process being decommissioned or destroyed. Decommissioned or destroyed. Okay. Um, so what? Yeah. Again, and this. So if you're if you're not going to start if you, if you have a catastrophic release and you say I'm not going to start it back up again, you still need to do an incident investigation. I get rid of this. Uh, I don't know. I get out the jail free card, but what'd you call it? Loophole. Yeah. yeah. Loophole. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess that that probably has happened in the past where there was some sort of catastrophic release and they said, oh, we didn't have to do an investigation because we never started the thing back up again. Like in Philadelphia? <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe. Perhaps. Uh, although I'm, I'm not going to insinuate that that I'm not talking been. about the city of Philadelphia. We're talking, I'm talking about the refinery that had the catastrophic event. Recently. Oh, yeah, recently. That are, and then they decommissioned the process. Yeah. The next one is um, investigation teams must be um, established for investigations on program two processes. So there are three types of programs in the risk management program. Um, cool, not cool. Regulation. Oh, never mind. <laughs> no. Uh, program one, program two, program three. So uh, they made some changes or, or they added the investigation team to program two processes where in the past i think it was just in uh, program three which are the which are the more significant the larger volume the yeah the i've got more receptors around those sorts of uh, those sorts of facilities okay so another one is investigation reports shall be completed within 12 months of an incident unless the implementing agency approves in writing an extension of time so you got a year to get the incident report completed um, that's really aggressive that's not aggressive at all. That's not aggressive at all. <laughs> but they didn't have any type of this language in the regulation before. Exactly. So, um, you know, it, it, this is uh, kind of similar to, to like when we talk about PHAs and we talk about addressing recommendations in a timely, in a, in a timely, timely fashion. Timely manner. Ti- yeah. Um, so apparently EPA has had this issue with some facilities and decided that we're now we're going to we're going to put an actual timeline on the incident investigation. Uh, they replaced the word summary with a report to describe the documentation required for an inc- uh, for an incident investigation. I don't think that that has a lot of relevancy for for us. Well, for us, um, I don't know. It, it's 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 sounding like this is just me, you know, maybe not doing my homework, but it's sounding like there was a lot of lessons learned for the EPA about when they were going and doing audits, and it said summary, and they're expecting a report. Just the way we do business in our experience, I think we write reports, you know, as part of incident investigations. But maybe they did run into a lot of uh, 
hey, did you do an investigation? Like, yeah, here's our summary, and it was three paragraphs, right? Right. So the next one is the specific content of the investigation report. Um, they they added things. I'm not going to go through through each of them here. Uh, if you do have an investigation that you have to do because you have a catastrophic release or you have a near miss that may have been catastrophic, then make sure that you consult the um, the regulation to make sure that you have all of the specific information. You know that I, I will I will throw out one of these because yeah, there's multiple here. Sure, but one that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm was the consequences of any of the incident, including but unlimited to injuries, fatalities, number of people evacuated, the number of people sheltered in place, and the impact on the environment. That's pretty, I mean, that's good information to have in that report as a requirement, but I think it's a little different. They're very specific there that if any of these are impacted, you need to document that in your final report. Yeah, and and, and I, I don't know that, um, um, I'm not sure that you would see these in too many, that, that information in too mm-hmm. many reports that are just done if, if they're, they're not doing it with this specific requirement right. in mind. So as I said, if you have, um, if you do have a, a, um, an incident investigation that you have to do that meets the requirements for the catastrophic, could have been catastrophic, was a near miss, whatever, then make sure that you, uh, that you include, that you consult the, uh, the, uh, regulation for the information. Oh, I thought you were going to say, make sure you hire Rob. Um, that's always an option, yeah. but um, in order to meet the requirement, they don't actually have to hire me or you to right. meet the requirement. We can do it else otherwise. Um, okay, PSI, process safety information. Um, this gets back to uh, basically what they're saying is that you need to keep PSI up to date. Again. Seems fair. It, se- it seems pretty, <laughs> pretty, um, uh, pretty much common sense. Um, and then PHAs, the PHA must include the findings from all investigations. Um, we talked about that one already. Mm-hmm. The, um, the RMP of availability provision was revised to include a reference to regulations that limit disclosure of the RMP offsite consequence analysis. I think that is related to, um, terrorism and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and I, I think that is probably something that they've been doing since um, 2001, um, and they just codified it into the regulation. Yeah. So that is a summary of the things that we have to do now. Today. As of, as of today. Back into the Obama um, administration, yeah. it, it was, there was provisions. They were delayed, 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 no longer. This yeah. is stuff that has to be done today. Now, we, now, 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 now we should be doing these. We are live. We are live with this. We should be doing these now. But, but. There are other amendments that have future compliance obligations, um, and that date is March 15th, 2021. Write it down, listeners. So what's that, 18, almost 18 or 19 months, something like that? So in that, uh, by that date, the f- there are provisions, and I'm not going to go through them because mm-hmm. there's quite a few. I'm not going to go through them in detail, but there's provisions related to third-party audits, First time they've thrown in third-party requirements. Third-party audits. We've never yeah. had to do a third-party audit. Now, you and I both know that a lot of companies will hire third parties to come in and do audits of their PSM or their RMP programs. Yep. Um, no requirement to do that. You can, as far as OSHA PSM is concerned, all your audits can be done internally. They can be done by a facility. They could be done by corporate people from you know from the headquarters office, or they could be done by third. As long party. as you check the regulatory requirements, that doesn't matter. Exactly. But within so so now for PSM, that's no longer the case. The basics are that if you have you just said PSM. a release. I'm sorry, RMP. Thank you. Thank you. Our listeners, you're going to confuse them. I am going to confuse them, and Keep I do going. apologize for that. <laughs> I get confused half the time myself. So yeah. 
the third-party audit provisions, um, essentially, if you have a release that could have been catastrophic or was catastrophic, the next time you do your, um, you have your audit, it needs to be a third-party audit. And not only is it a third-party audit, but it, the the third-party auditor has to have independence from you. So the, I can't remember the details, but I think it's they couldn't have done they can't have done work for you within the last two years. Yeah, and they can't receive any. Basically, you can't hire them to fix your problems. Yeah. Um, so again, if you if if uh, if you have a, have a release, make sure that you uh, that you understand what your requirements are there. So there's now stipulations for when, yeah, third-party auditors or third-party involvement is required where it's required and also and also who that has to be there there actually are guidelines for that um there's some some issues related to or some new requirements related to root cause analysis um safer technologies and alternatives analysis um kind of like inherently safer design stuff right yes but you actually have to do an there's certain times we actually have to do an an analysis Um, emergency response exercise provisions and then providing chemical hazard information or community preparedness information to the public and conducting a public meeting 90 days after an RMP accident. So that sounds like a lot of fun, (laughs) a public meeting after an RMP accident, because that means you had a release that got off site and could have impacted the public. And now you get to get up in front of them within 90 days and talk about it and talk about it. (laughs) Good luck. That will not be very fun. I got a good, I got a better idea. Keep it in the pipe. You know, that's mainly what the focus of our company is. That's the focus of our work. And I yep. think that overall that that is the best keep, approach. Keep it in the pipe. You don't have to worry about <laughs> any of this. the best approach. <laughs> so in a nutshell, those are the, those are the amendments. Um, yeah. It's, um, um, it's been a long time coming. This actually started, the whole, this whole process started back with uh, the explosion in West Texas uh, like and the, the, like the, the executive, geograph- the geographical region of West Texas, the town of West, oh, that's, West, oh, that's comma, goofy. That's Texas. Goofy. That's that is, goofy. That is goofy. Yes. Um, and the Obama administration put out an executive order for for the uh, that was ammonium nitrate. Various, that was like a fertilizer facility, right? right. And it Storage, wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an RMP facility. It wasn't a PSM facility, uh, but. The Obama administration wanted, um, among others, EPA, OSHA, DOT, and a few others, to other uh, regulatory agencies, to look at how can we make it so these things, sorts of things don't happen. And basically, this is what we've got. It got missed. Um, yeah. And these are all things that, to a certain extent, probably make um, a catastrophic release explosion less likely. Um there were similar things that were tried for OSHA with PSM, uh, but that did not make it as far as uh, EPA's um, risk management plan stuff did when the Trump administration took over. So that kind of went away. Um, so that's what we've got. Nice. So that's it. Good job, Rob. Well, thanks. I think uh, this is important. And any um, anyone out there who has any que- any specific questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, again, this is just meant to be a, a high-level overview of what some of these changes are. Um, if if you are responsible for a uh, for an RP facility, highly recommend that you at least take a take a look um, at the regulations, see what the differences are. Yep, I agree. What what, what we say goodbye now? I think so. Then we I say think, goodbye. I think so. Goodbye. Wesley, <laughs> until next time, this is Rob. This is Wesley. Thank you for listening. 
We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, AmplifyConsultants.com, to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time.